good morning, church. It's so great to be here with you. I'm so glad that on this rainy day, when it would have been so much easier to sit at home in your nice comfy sheets on the first day of NFL football season, happy Merry Christmas. Or maybe that's just me. I don't know. Um, You have chosen to be here, and I appreciate that, because just like Josh said, when we come to worship, we come to Jesus, and we ask, and Jesus asks us, what do you want? What do you want? What are you here for? We're here to worship the risen Christ. In 2007, in the year of our Lord, I went on a mission trip. I was the newly minted youth director of St. Philip's United Methodist Church, and I did not plan this mission trip, but I got to go on it. And I actually, this is the mission trip that I met Michelle in Ganado, not met, but we, we fell in love, I guess, um, in Ganado, Texas. But that's not the story I'm telling today. The theme of that mission trip was pirates. And I don't really like pirates, but that's, that's okay too. But these pirates, the, the people who had designed everything, all the fun stuff and the activities that we would do, because you know you also have a lot of fun on mission trips, they had designed a video or, or photo, ph- photographic scavenger hunt for us to go on. And these pirates, they spent a lot of time on their costume. They had, as they say today, their costumes were on fleek, right? Because they, they, they had it down, they had gone to a costume shop, and they looked like they were pirates out of, you know, the 18th century. And uh, they had this very complex scavenger hunt for us to do. They worked out all the clues and all the locations. They had gone to all the locations, and they knew exactly where they were sending us and what we were all to do. And so we got our instructions, and uh, I was trying to be nice, you know, even though I don't like pirates a whole lot, and I was, I was trying to be nice. And we go, our, our instruction was to go south of town, south of town, and find a red barn. And then that was where our clue was, and we we're supposed to take a picture of it. Well, we go south of town, and we're driving around everywhere, and we can't find this red barn. And so I actually call them up, and they're like, oh, no, you, it's out there. Just keep driving around. Just, you'll find it. Just keep driving. And so we drive around some more, get frustrated. I'm like, okay, we'll find the next clue. And the next clue said to go north of town. So we go north of town. And we're driving out around, and at this point, my fuel warning light comes on. And this was definitely in some scary backwoods of Texas, too, right? So uh, one of the kids was like, hey, we should go over to that house, that scary-looking house right there, and ask them if they know where this thing is. And I was like, no, that's how scary movies get started. <laughs> and so I call again, and I'm like, where we, are, we have driven south of town, and we didn't find the red barn, and now we're driving north of town, and they, they assured us. They're like, no, we promise it's there. Just keep driving around. And so eventually, we just gave up and drove to Sonic and had Sonic drinks and came back. <laughs> and it turns out that pirates don't have a good sense of direction. <laughs> because when they said south of town, they actually meant north of town, And when they said north of town, they actually meant south of town. So there was no way. They had this elaborate plan. They had it all figured out. They had it all designed for us. They worked and put all this effort into it, all this effort into getting costumes. And it was a complete failure because they didn't know their north from their south and their east from their west. And there's a really important lesson here. If we don't know the direction that we're going, it doesn't matter what our plans are. If we don't know our north from our south, our east from our west, it doesn't matter how well we do Bible studies. It doesn't matter how well we preach. It doesn't matter how good we do worship if our focus isn't on Jesus Christ. 
And so today we're going to be talking about our vision because when we talk about vision, that is how we know that we're going in the right direction, that all the plans that we're making are part of the greater thing that God is doing. So this is Vision 2030, and vision is incredibly important. And in fact, Helen Keller has this to say, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight and no vision. Helen Keller was blind. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight and no vision. We know from Proverbs 28, 19, that if there is no vision, the people will perish. You know, so often in our lives, this is true for us as individuals, and this is true for us as a church. And so often in our lives, we have settled for less than what God wants for us. We have settled for less than what God wants for our lives. And I mean that in all aspects but especially in following Christ and the, the mission and the plan and the purpose that God has for each of you. I truly believe that every person sitting in this room has a purpose that God has designed for you, that you are made uniquely and wonderfully, and God has a purpose and a plan for you. And too often, we settle for less than what we were created for. And so we need vision. Vision is incredibly important. Vision is incredibly important for us as a church, and vision is incredibly important for you individually and as families. I wanted to share a few myths about vision. Uh, The first myth is that the purpose of vision is to estimate the future. That's a myth. The purpose of vision is to create the future. The purpose of vision is to create the future. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he said, you're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He wasn't estimating the future. He was creating a new future. Jesus was, is the king, is the king of our life, and, and the world was going to change, and he was going to send the disciples out to do it. And we know the disciples not only started a church in Jerusalem, not only in Judea and Samaria, but we know Thomas went to India you know, the, the church that we rent space to down here traces their lineage back to St. Thomas because he went to India. They're an Indian Orthodox church. Actually, I guess it's over here. Man, my sense of direction is terrible. <laughs> I must be a pirate. They trace it all the way back to India because of St. Thomas, because, he, because Jesus had a vision for the future. Jesus was creating a future. The second myth about vision is that it prevents us from risk. Now, I know we have some insurance agents in our, in our community, and, and, and preventing risk is very important. But when we have vision, it's not about preventing risk. In fact, we are going to do risky things because the gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to go out and do different and difficult and maybe even painful things. We're starting a new worship service, which we're going to be telling you about in the next couple of weeks, called The Bridge on Wednesday night. When I talked to Wade, when I first got here, he said, you know, David, when you're ready to, to do a new worship service, don't just do what you were, another version of what you're already doing, but try to meet people, reach people in new ways. And so we want to have it during the middle of the week so people who work on Sunday have an option, or if you're traveling, you have an option to come to. We want to meet the needs of our, our young people in our community who are not going to churches. That's risky. It may fail. We may do it. We may put all this work and effort and money and energy into it. I don't think it's going to fail because it's something from God. But we may try something difficult, and that's risky, and it may fail. And that's okay because 
When we have vision, it, we're going to step out into risk. We're going to step out into what's difficult. And we're going to step out into maybe even things that are dangerous. Because that's what God calls us to do. The reality is, without vision for your life, if you don't have a target to aim at, you're going to miss 100% of the time. That's the same for you, and it's certainly the same for the church. We have to have a target for what we're going to aim at, or we're going to miss 100% of the time. And to figure out where that vision comes from, uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. And I think it's pretty amazing um, that this was the scripture that was one of the foundations of Rockbridge from the very beginning. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. This is what it says. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built his house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice, and posts them on Facebook, it doesn't put them in practice. It's like a fool who built a house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house. It fell and was completely destroyed. Everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice. I like the old King James Version. Everyone hear, be hearers and doers of the word. It's not good enough just to hear. It's not good enough to come and listen to a good sermon or even a mediocre sermon or to have a Bible study. That is not good enough. You have to put the words into practice. This is something I'm trying to get over into my children, that you're not instantly good at things. We're an instant gratification society. We want to know right now, today, that we can be an expert at something. I think YouTube is kind of, it's great because we can go on YouTube and watch a video on how to do something. But me going and watching YouTube video on how to fix my car does not mean I'm now an expert and can fix my car. It takes work. We have to be hearers and doers of the word. We have to put Jesus' words into practice. It's not good enough to come to church. Did you hear me? It's not good enough to come to church if you do nothing between Sunday and Sunday to put the words you hear into practice. And what Jesus says, that if you do, if you listen, and you build a foundation for your life, that when the rains come, we know the rains are coming, right? Can I get an amen? <laughs> we know the rains are coming. Of course, not just talking about physical rain, but we know that pain comes. We know that suffering comes. We know that difficult times come. We know that the night comes. And if we don't have our foundation built on, on Jesus, on following Jesus, on patterning our lives after Christ, then when those rains come, it says that we would be like a fool who built our house on sand. If you build your life on anything else other than Jesus Christ, you are a fool who has built your house on sand. And when the rains come, and they will come, it'll wash away your life. But if you are like the wise builder who builds your life on Christ, when those rains come, you will be able to stand firm because you are built on the rock, on the foundation that you are meant to be built on. We say Jesus is the foundation, the cornerstone of our life. It is time that we live it as individuals and as the church, that we don't just hear this, but we put it into practice. I've done a lot of weddings. 
And uh, one of my recent trends that I've noticed is that people are starting to use this scripture for wedding ceremonies. And at first you think, oh, you know, that the one about love from 1 Corinthians 13 would be much better or Colossians. But I love this scripture for weddings. He's saying that the foundation of our marriage is going to be on Jesus, who is the rock. So when those rains come, because everyone who's married knows the rains come, right? Amen. <laughs> when the rains come, you will not be washed away if you've built your foundation on Jesus. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about Deuteronomy and about how Moses, at the end of his life, kind of shares all these sermons to get the people to understand about the greatness that God has done. And to say, today you need to choose to serve God before you go into the promised land. Another one of my favorite passages, in fact, it hangs on my wall in my house, is Joshua does the same thing. Joshua took over from Moses. He leads the people in the promised land. They conquer it. And then he's at the end of his life. And he, he knows, he knows human nature. He knows us. He knows that we can be a fickle people. And he lines up the Israelites and he tells about all the things that God has done and how God has worked in their lives. And he looks at them and he says, you need to choose today who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord Building our house on the foundation of the rock is saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, who is Jesus the Christ. Our name is Rockbridge. We're built to bridge people to the rock, who is Jesus, so they can lay a foundation. Because we know that they are going to experience the rains, because Jesus tells us that the, the, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Good times are going to come, bad times are going to come, but only people whose house is built on the rock will sustain themselves through that difficult time. And so our, we believe that the best life that people outside the walls of these church, that they can live, is if we, the followers of Jesus, introduce them to Jesus, who is the rock. We are the bridge who introduces them to the rock. I have an image. I have to thank Joy for this. I don't think she's in here. She's next door. But when we were talking about the bridge worship service, we started talking about the 360 bridge. And look how beautiful that is. It connected the north and the south of Austin across the river. A bridge connects people. That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to find people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ because we know that they were created for more and that we're a bridge to Jesus who will help them understand that reality. So how do we do that? And that's where our vision comes in. So now I'm going to share with you guys a little bit of our vision 2030 about where we are going as a church. And you've probably heard most of this, but I'm just refreshing it. And over the next four weeks, I'm going to be preaching on different aspects of this vision so that we can not only write this down on a piece of paper, so it's not just in our GPS, but that we will write it on our hearts and that we will live by it, that this is the direction that our church will go in. That's why this is, is so vitally important. It doesn't matter if we have a great vision if you, the church, don't live it out. So first of all, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The, when I first got here, it was make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Boom. That's it, right? 
that's simple, that combines the great commandment of loving God and loving neighbor with the great commission of making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so that, that is who we are. That will never change. Our mission never changes. But how we accomplish it changes. And so Vision 2030, our vision statement, now this isn't the entirety of the vision, but this is our vision statement, says this, that we are bridging people to Jesus, the rock, through relationships with deeply committed disciples who love, learn, and launch. Who love, learn, and launch. And the key here, what's going to make Rockbridge different from other churches is the word everyone. I want you all to think about that word, everyone. We want everyone to be bridging people to Jesus. We limit so much of what we can do as a church when we think of that a few leaders or the pastor or the staff, that it's their job to do this. No, this is everyone's job. If you come into the walls of these church, this is what you are called to do. This is your vision for your church. And you need to own it. You need to believe it. You need to memorize it. You need to talk about it and, and talk about how that you as a family, you as an individual, you as a life group will make this a reality. Love, learn, launch. So we're going to love God and neighbor. This comes from the two greatest commandments, to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That has to be the foundation of everything we do. Because we know that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That has to be the core of who we are because we believe that. Not just that we love each other in this room. You know, Jesus says there's no credit to that. Even the tax collectors do that. We gotta love the people we don't even like with the love that God has shown us. The second part of this is that disciples have to learn to follow Jesus. We talk about Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Come follow me. Jesus says it's following him. We're to apprentice our life to Jesus. We have to know what Jesus taught so that we can be hearers and doers of the word in every aspect of our life. Jesus says, I will make. So we apprentice our lives to Jesus, and Jesus will make us into fishers of people, which leads us into the third part, is that we launch into service. You know, we believe we are called to make disciples of Jesus, or make disciples of all nations, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus never once tells people to make new Christians, but he does tell people to make disciples. And we believe a disciple is someone who loves, learns, and launches into service. So the, the, vision, the vision statement is part of it, but there's, it's more than just the vision statement. There's three areas. We're going to be a disciple-making church, a leader-developing church, and a church that serves our neighbors. So like I said, Jesus never tells us just to make converts. We're supposed to disciple them. We're supposed to love them. If a new person comes to Christ, they're like babes. And we don't just send them out into the woods. We got to teach them. We got to show them through our lives and through teaching, through classes. That's why we have the opportunity for you guys to join grow classes so you can learn what it is. You can do life groups and do life together. You've got to commit to being a disciple. But we've got to be disciples who make disciples because if we do that, our church will be a movement and we will shake the ground that we walk on with the number of disciples that we're making. We're going to be a leader-developing church. I, I love this, this quote that I found 
from Roy Bennett. It says, good leaders have vision, inspire others to help them turn it into reality. Great leaders create more leaders, not followers. Great leaders have vision, share vision, and inspire others to create their own. Great leaders create more leaders. I truly believe that each of us can be a leader in some aspect of our life. And our job is to help you find your gifts and your calling is so that you can maybe grab two or, other, two or three other people and serve and launch into mission and launch into service in your life. So we're going to be making leaders because the things that God wants to do for the church, and we'll talk more about this over the next couple of weeks, it's going to require leaders. The last thing is that we're called to serve our neighbors. Now this is both inside and outside the church. The jobs of people who are over with our kids right now serving when you greet people, when they come in the door, just like Bill said, that every single person might know that they are a person that God loves. When you mow the grass and you make the place look beautiful so we don't have to hire somebody. When you take care of the facilities, all those kind of things are how we serve. When we sit up here and we lead the church in worship, that's serving the church and serving the community. But we also want to serve outside the walls of the church. And that's why we have a mission committee that's bringing new opportunities to us and showing us how we can serve and be active. We have outreach team. You just heard the call to action, uh, the pumpkin patch, and the fall festival. Those aren't just fun things that we do. That is a call to action. That's where we get to meet our neighbors. They come onto our property, and we have the opportunity to share God's love with them. We serve our community, both inside and outside the walls of this church. And when we do that, we will see the world transform. So my question for you is how will you help achieve this vision? How is God calling you to achieve this vision for the church today? That key word is everyone. For us to be the church we want to be, everyone needs to be involved making disciples who love, learn, and launch into mission. Because I promise you, we will miss every opportunity if we don't have a clear vision and direction for our lives and for the church. You know, Mufasa, the great philosopher from The Lion King, when he talks to Simba from the cloud, and he says to him, look inside yourself. Look inside yourself. You are more than you have become. I love that line. Jesus is saying to us to look inside ourselves as individuals, as a church. We are more than what we have become. Finding vision for your life, us owning this vision for the church, we are going to become the church and the people that God has created us to be. May you be a people. May you be a people who bridges other people to Jesus the rock, knowing that is the best thing for them. As a person, a disciple, who loves, learns, and launches. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.